We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to another episode of the Brooklyn Buzz Podcast presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my international friend, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? Howdy, Nets fans. We're going to have some fun with this one. Yes, today is a special episode because it's not a breakdown, not a recap or anything. We're going to do a mid-season review of the Nets so far this season. You know, players, team, the breakdown, expectations, grades, things like that. But let's get started. Let's get started with probably the most talked about Nets player this season, you know, on the court, and that's Spencer Dinwiddie. What has been your thoughts on Dinwiddie, and what's your grade on him this season? Oh, he's got to be an A, Nick. Um, and, and anything less uh, would be an absolute uh, aberration. Um, he's been outstanding. He's had his ups and downs, and his consistency has waned in sorts. He's had maybe higher turnover games. Um, and of late, um, when he, he struggles a lot, not a lot, but he struggles more, obviously, when he's the only guard out there. And that would be in any case for any point guard without any support. You know, Karis LeVert, no Karis LeVert who has improved markedly as a point guard, we'll get to him. And D'Angelo Russell, who we know has missed a significant chunk of time. But his three-point shot has also, you know, been up and down. But I still back him with it. Um, there's times where he'll take bad shots. But, uh, he, you know, you'd always rather him have that green light and Coach Kenny to sort of have his word with him when need be. It's like, okay, you know that's not a good shot. Don't take it again. And I think, you know, he's learning. He's still, um, you know, this is still a guy who is making his footing in today's NBA. Um, you know, we've guaranteed his contract, which was an obvious move. And I, I think he's got a long-term future with this Nets franchise, um, whether it's at a six-man or just as another rotation guard, because, his skill set, um, as we mentioned, as all of the Boston boys mentioned on the previous pod, um, he's got so many attributes that just work in today's game. So uh, he's an A, and anything less is just wrong. 
Yeah, I agree. I think he's definitely a lock to be an A. The only reason he's probably not an A plus is just those inconsistent three point shots, those step backs instead of driving. And I think other than that, you know, there's not really much to get mad about. Like you mentioned, the turnovers, but some, a lot of that's due to the Nets not having other ball handlers when Karis Levert's out or not on the floor. You know, you put him out there with a lot of guys that can't really create for themselves. Dinwiddie's getting the ball late in the shot clock. And you probably could argue Dinwiddie would be close to a 40% three-point shooter if he got rid of all those step-backs and long-range threes that he's been taking. Yeah, if he was a spot-up guy as well and he didn't have the ball in his hand so much. And if he was starting to get some calls on the inside, so then you know he was forced to get a, a bit more respect there, then you know we look at a James Harden who is you know probably the best inside player around the rim player with Kyrie Irving. And they've also both got great step-back games. Um, that's what Spencer's certainly not on their level, but you know, you get more respect from the inside than the outside just comes with it. Yeah. And I think that's something that's going to come along. He kind of, you know, spurred it onto the scene this year. He went from being a relatively unknown player to being a good backup player to all of a sudden starting on the nets and getting some all-star votes. So then when he's definitely been, uh, you know, impressive all season long, if you would have to say past your expectations, right? Yeah. He's, he's far surpassed my expectations. Um, and I think, you know, we've mentioned on plenty of pods the fact that injuries can be a silver lining of sorts. And uh, they've been a gold lining for Spencer Dinwiddie. He's absolutely taken the opportunity to be uh, our lead guard with, with both hands. And he's repaid the faith in Coach Kenny um, Benson. Yeah, exactly. And you, one thing you got to love about Dinwiddie, too, and uh, like you mentioned on our last pod with the Celtics guys, Matt Chin pointed out his length and his ability to defend and his versatility and fit in so many diff- different situations. So not only is he impressed with his play, but his fit on the team, I think, is just so great in so many different ways. Both of us for uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Moving on to my guy, Karis LeVert. What are your thoughts on Karis this season? I think Karis is an A plus, Nick. Our first A plus, and uh, I, I don't think I don't <laughs> I don't think it's too hard to say that. Um, you know, early in the season, we um, we were hesitant about him somewhat. Just he was sort of finding his way. He's finding his footing. Um, you know, his shot wasn't falling. Um, he was you know, te- a bit tentative, a little bit, um, as you'd expect from a guy who's still quite, still very young and very raw in a, in a lot of his talents. Um, but he's found his niche, and he's he's found it as as a guard um, of all things. A guy who is like Spencer Dillon, has great length, um, has shown so many uh, a, a, a array of offensive and defensive skill set for that matter. You know, his chemistry with Jared Allen, who we'll get to as well, obviously has been um, outstanding and one of the highlights of the year. Um, his passing game, and I love. I, I know. I don't know why the scouting report hasn't got this on him. But every single time Karras goes up the floor and he tries to find that spot at the left uh, perimeter, like not like in the corner, but in between like the corner and the top of the key, at the top of the perimeter. He's right in the middle of that. He loves that spot on both sides of the court. And he's always lights out from there. If like you could look at his shot chart, yep. I guarantee he would be 80% or more from there. Um, he's three point. Yeah, shot. no, he really does love that spot, and I love seeing it because, and I love. Well, I mean, we we know this because we're, we're obsessed with down nets, and it's just great to see him progress, and it's great to see uh, him him flourish in front of our eyes. Yeah, I I mean, I'm going to give him an A plus, even though he probably didn't deserve it, just because I love him so much. But I think <laughs> one thing about Levert and Witty that you can you know always appreciate is they make their teammates better. You know, for example, like you said, that Jared Allen connection. 
Jared Allen obviously has had some nice moments with the Nets, but almost probably 50% or more of his better moments have come with Karis LeVert on the floor catching alley-oops even defensively. He just feels more comfortable with him out there. And I think LeVert is really, after having that rough start, missing some time in training camp, being banged up, fit with a lot of new guys, probably a new role. He's really flourished as a, a point guard and a playmaker on this team and another versatile piece that Kenny can have because – like you said, offensively, he has an ability to get to the rim, work the pick and roll, pass the ball, shoot the ball. His three-point shot is getting better. And even that little step-back mid-range shot is getting better. And if he can nail that down offensively, he's going to be tough to defend because he's super crafty too. Under the hoop, he's really been working well and finding his guys. So I, I love everything I've seen Levert, and that's not even talking about defense. Oh, yeah. Probably make, make the argument that he's been the Nets' best perimeter defender. You know, he's the guy they're putting on yeah. Westbrook. He's the guy they're putting on Beal. He has the be- he has the best attributes for it, and he just fits perfectly in what Coach Kenny wants. Uh, Two way players that have length and fit today's really sort of lanky switchability um, league, and it's it's just perfect. And, and and our Celtics guys mentioned it as well. The fact that we have so many athletic guys that fit that mold, and Karras is at the at the top of it. Yeah, he just has great switchability on you know defense, but also on offense. Like we've talked about, he can probably play one through three. You know, he can be that point guard. He can be that two guard. He can line up with three guards with the length that he has. So Karis LeVert has definitely exceeded my expectations. He's just been a ton of fun to watch, and he's been a super big bright spot in December and, you know, early January in the games he played. Yeah, he's leading our steals as well, Nick, um, with 1.3. So, I mean, you mentioned his his length and, and his um, ability as our perimeter defender and our best one-on-one defender. I think that's a, a stat right there that um, perfectly sums it up. And not only does he lead in steals, which is an important stat, but deflections. So his hands are busy. He's getting in there. He's getting in the passing lane. So Karis yeah. has definitely been a guy who's impressed on both sides of the floor. And probably, you know, him and Dinwiddie are our brightest spots of the season. But another guy who's been huge, and this is Jack's boy, Joe Harris. Nick, um, uh, are, there you know, grades above, are, there, are there grades above A-plus for – for players, um, uh, I love Joe. A plus plus. <laughs> uh, if, if there's a triple plus, if there was a letter before A in the alphabet, then Joe Harris would get it. Now, um, I, I, in all honesty, it, it's a B plus to an A. Um, you can't ask for something more for a guy in what he's doing as his role. Uh, uh, the quote that I lo- I love um, from Tristan Thompson is, you know, you don't have to be a star um, to have an effect in today's league. You just have to be a star in your role. Joe Harris yeah. is the epitome of that. Star in his role uh, and then some. Um, he's doing things above his his skill range and what's being asked of him. He's you know, probably one of our best three-point shooters. He's been one of our best um, passes, um, underrated-wise. He's been one of our better defenders. And, you know, we just found new things to this guy. And, you know, I'll be uh, doing a tweet barrage of NBA votes for Joe Harris because it astounds me that he's not in the top 10. If Kyle Kuzma can be. But yeah, yeah Joe, uh, Joe Harris has been, he deserves the A. I think he's been, you know, more than what we'd expected going to the season. There was a lot of talk about, you know, how's Joe Harris going to find minutes? He's the guy that needs minutes off the bench right now. Definitely. Impressive preseason, yep. constantly works. I think the one thing I enjoy about Joe Harris is he's never, like, lazy. And if he does make a mistake, you see him like, you know, that's my bad. I messed up on that. He's never a guy that's out there blaming his teammates or anything like that. He looks like a great teammate, a great player for a coach to have. Obviously, the three-point shot has always been something he's had in his arsenal. But shooting 37% when that's, you know, scouted on you is pretty impressive. His ability to drive to the rim this year has really gotten me, though. 
He's driven yeah. to the rim on good defenders. We've seen him drive on Kawhi Leonard, Jalen Brown, guys that really can defend. And I'm not saying Joe Harris is some super athlete or going to be a superstar. Play fundamentally sound basketball and defensively, he's never going to be a lockdown guy. But he does the number one thing that you need to do on defense, and that's effort. So Joe Harris gets an A from me, and I'm what happens. And if the Nets retain him, it's definitely I think getting a little bit harder to trade him every day when he just does so many small things right. Like yesterday in the Celtics game, all those rebounds, those offensive putbacks, like he's just finding a way to have an impact on the game. And if you've, okay, you, you weigh it up, Nick, I guess, in terms of what the Nets will get back from. We've mentioned so many times about different packages and different returns, but he's right now, he's 26, 27 years old. Um, that's by no means old at all. And a guy with a game like Joe Harris can play till he's 35. And, you know, he may not be on his Nets that entire tenure, but, you know, when we're contending in two, maybe even next year, um, a, a guy like a Joe Harris is a perfect player you want on the team. So um, I, I want him to be on the Nets for as long as possible. Joe Harris strikes me as a guy that would definitely value the Nets for giving him the opportunity to, you know, be the player that he is today. He just strikes me as that type of person, you know. And I think that if he can, you know, come back at a decent price in the offseason, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets sign him to not a super long deal, but something in that 3-4 range and kind of keep him around if he can come at a good price because role players like that are hard to come by where they're willing to do everything and fit into so many different roles. And you've never heard him complain about minutes, even when he's probably deserved to see some clutch time minutes over Alan Crabb. Definitely. And you you look at a guy like an Andre Roberson who's getting, I think, $10 million per year, um, sort of two, three-year deal. I think, you know, something slightly less than that, um, I'd, I'd, something around the $6, 7000000 million range for, for two to three years, I think is around the mark. And he deserves it. As long as it, you know, doesn't uh, hamstring us for future deals. And I'd like you mentioned, Joe Harris has shown great loyalty to us. And um, I, I think the relationship there is really good between him and the front office. Yeah, I think you're probably looking at that range. I would probably want him in that five to seven range. That would be the number I'm looking for. Maybe give him some more years that somebody else won't. But, you know, shooting's a hot commodity in the NBA, and he definitely could see some big bucks headed his way. But, you know, a, another A grade, we're definitely being super friendly. I'm all, it's, it's kind of funny that the first three guys we do are all guys that we, you know, you favor on the team. And then the next one's Rondé Hollis Jefferson. So we're going to get Oof. all of our favorite players out of the way first. But let's, Rondé, let's, yeah. Go, go for it, Jack. What do you got for Rondé? Well, Ro- well, Rondé, um, I, I mentioned in my article earlier in the year about just his absolute resurgence and, and revelation in, in his play. And he's been, um, I, I, probably not too drastic to say that he's probably been our best player this season. Um, just purely due to the fact that he's been one of our healthier guys. Um, he's at his defense, um, which was his calling card, has stayed. Um, his offensive game is now no joke. Um his ability to get on the inside. Um, I tweeted out yesterday, and I think more people need to know this. He's six in the NBA in and one place, like, you know, with yeah, Russell Westbrook it. and LeBron James. It's huge. Like, the guy needs more respect, and, and I think he's starting to get that. Um, you know, Zach Lowe gave him a shout-out on, on one of his previous articles. So you know that the, the in-the-know NBA crowds are starting to give him the respect that he deserves, and we are as well. And for me, he's an AA-plus player, and to say anything less um, is a detriment to him because he's absolutely transformed his game. And with the help of the coaching staff and all the psychology and, and just the confidence in himself and, and his play overall, 
he'll make the mistakes here and there. But every 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 NBA player does. Even LeBron James and Steph Curry do. So, uh, but the fact is that he's able to get over those mistakes and keep going back and even make the right decision the next time round. So um, yeah, uh, the hyphen like yourself, Nick. I mean, he's an absolute yes. superstar. Like you are an A plus human being. He's an A plus NBA player right now. I appreciate that, Jack. And, you know, me and Rondé definitely have a tie with a hyphen. I'll give him an A. Um, I think the only thing you could really say about him is maybe just shoot the three a little bit better, but that even is up yeah. from last year too. Yeah, exactly. I think consistent. I think you're right. Consistently, he's been, you know, our most consistent good player. Where So maybe Laverne and Dinwiddie have more of an impact on the game, but they've been more so inconsistent where Rondé's been good from the start. And that addition to the mid-range offensive game, I think it's still catching people by surprise. Yesterday, he probably had one of his worst games, but he still had an impact on the game with his energy, effort, and defense. So I think defensively, he's long-term a great piece with his versatility. I'm telling you that that three-point shot is going to be a game-breaker for him, though. If he can add that three-point shot to shoot it consistently at something like 33%, it's really going to help the net spacing. It's really going to help his career because he's a tough defend off the dribble. Like he's been making guys yeah. look stupid for a you know a six seven six eight guy that's not necessarily known for breaking ankles. He's really got a lot of open shots, and the and ones come from that. You put people off balance, and he's able to put people off balance and from one key to the other, you know, one uh, block to the other block. It's not a ton of room he needs to make space. So Rondé's definitely been a guy who has surpassed expectations as well. Just like all the guys we've talked about, I can't really say that I expected him. The only guy I probably expect to play this well is Lavert. And that's just because I love Levert. And I probably expect him to play more so better as a scorer, not as much as a point guard as he has. So all these guys, and that's credits to coaching staff of just getting the best out of their players. So an A for Rondé, I feel like we're giving out too much friendly grades. And then the next guy is probably going to get a good grade too, and that's Damari Carroll. Damari Carroll certainly does a good grade, Nick. Um, he's been – and I, I think outside of – you know, you look outside of his play on the court, and I think – you know, that's where uh, his high grade for me, a B-plus, comes from. His ability to have an effect on the guys in our locker room. Um, his relationship with D'Angelo Russell, um, I think. And the vet guys in today's NBA, uh, you know, there's been so much talk about, like, how they're so important to the locker room and stuff. But in, in this case, it, it rings heavily true. Um, he's been, you know, our, the veteran presence that we need. He's been, you know, up and down from the three-point line. But um, he show he he just fits so well in Coach Kenny's uh, system and fits so well in Brooklyn. He just is a Brooklyn guy. It's like he's been with the team for for the past five years, and I'm glad that we could um, take on that dump because uh, he's been far more than a dump. That's for sure. And you know there aren't many dumps out there that are B plus unless you go into some organic Whole Foods dumps or, or something <laughs> like that. But no, nah, Demario Carroll has been absolutely outstanding place you're finding good dumps is if you're looking for soil for a garden so i think um a, a b plus is a good grade i think the only thing that really hurts carol's is inconsistency yeah you know some games he just has such a great impact and other games his shots just not falling and he's struggling and i think obviously being up there in age and having a bit of a knee history definitely wouldn't like to get the nets get him some more rest going forward and hopefully he's okay because he did take a mean fall in the boston game but overall no, coming even if Carroll was like garbage this season, I wouldn't have really cared that much because he came with a first and second round pick, and the Nets had no first. So, like Sean Marks got that done, and not only like you said, got a solid player on the court, but off the court, having a veteran like him around the team, especially when Jeremy Lin went down, I was a little bit nervous when Lin went down because it's not like Lin had an injury where he could stay with the team. He wasn't on the bench for months, 
So having Carol around the organization, I think, has been a huge impact. And like you said, D'Lo, even Karis LeVert has mentioned having a guy like Carol who can tell them what to expect, you know, night in and night out. And that's just a huge advantage for young guys to learn from somebody who's been around and been on good teams and had long playoff runs. Yeah, and he's leading our team right now in, in rebounding as well, Nick. So I think that's uh, a really underrated skill that he's brought to the team. Um, you know, our team rebounding, there's a lot of guys around that four to four to six range, but he's um up there with six point seven. Um, you know, Trevor Booker was one of our other high rebounders. So, you know, it, it's saying something. And him and Ronde are probably our two better rebounders. And you know, he's bringing so much energy and so much uh, poise out there, and it, it's sort of seeping its way through to our younger guys. Yeah, and he's also a nice, versatile piece, you know, defensively yeah. and offensively. Not like the Nets are, you know, going to win a championship this year, but just having him around and winning games this year, his switchability probably from two through four, he's done a pretty good job at the four. I wouldn't be surprised to see more of him at the four like I've been advocating for on this podcast, especially when D'Angelo gets back because they're going to have more of a surplus of wings and guards. And I think Carroll can definitely bang around with some of the fours because there's just not a ton of big bruisers at the four position anymore that Damari Carroll can't really handle. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, he's been, he's still, despite the fact that he's missed a game or two, he's still played 36 games, which is, you know, the third best, you know, Spencer Dimwitty's played the most games out of all our guys. So he may, he may miss a game or two, but when he's out there, um, he's always one of our most consistent performers and he just provides a real calming presence, sort of like Trevor Booker did back in the day um, before we lost him to, to the Sixers. So, you know, that veteran presence uh, is certainly being felt by him. Yeah, and he's done a good job also of getting shots when we need, you know, he's done that little, I don't know if you noticed this move, where he kind of drives the lane, just like brings the ball into his defender and then just raises up and gets the foul call. He's done that in a lot of ideal situations to kind of break a run up or something like that. He also played banged up against the Timberwolves and had a nice dunk. I know he had a painful rib injury, so Carroll's been more than expected as well. But on to another guy we acquired this offseason, Alan Crabb. Alan Crabb's probably the one where, Nick, we're going to get a, a little bit more negative here. Um, yeah. Now, one positive I will say, and he's advocated for him, <clears throat> for himself, is his defense has grown exponentially in the past sort of 10 games or so. And he deserves credit for that. But um, he's not being paid $19 million to be a defender, uh, a lockdown defender for us. He's being paid to be our best three-point shooter and to be, you know, our leading scorer alongside D'Angelo Russell. Um and right now, he just doesn't have the versatility that we really need him to have. Um, whether that's just, you know, lack of confidence, whether that's just, um, you know, the increased defense that he's seeing, um, because obviously he wasn't seeing that in Portland, as I mentioned in, in the earlier pod, the earlier uh, grades pod. You know, it, it's the same sort of story. Um, not much has really changed. He, there's nights where he's just like, wow, he, he can do it. And he can get inside. He can, you know, put the ball... Um, put the ball on the floor and, and find, you know, a nice mid-ranger or, you know, get to the hole and get, and get a foul. But he doesn't do it consistent, consistently enough. And what we've mentioned about a lot of our better players, the guys who are getting the B-pluses and the A's, uh, is just the consistency from them. And that's one thing that um, I think we really crave from Alan Crabb. So I'll still probably give him a, a, a C-plus B. Um, but, you know, the, the, the ceiling is there. There is so much talent that he has. And, you know, he's still, when you're looking for a three-point bucket, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd go to Alan Crabb in a heartbeat because his form and, you know, from anywhere around that perimeter, he's he's going to be absolutely lights out. Um, it just has to be, unfortunately, a bit too open at this time. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm going to go with uh, 
a C plus B minus. Like you said, defensively, he's definitely had his impact. In the first two wins of 2018, that Orlando and Minnesota game, he had key deflections. So getting that length being active has definitely helped. But just looking at his shooting numbers, 35% from three is not terrible. But when you're getting paid, you know, 18 to 19 mil to shoot the ball, you need to be closer to 40%. And then his field goal percentage is probably pretty alarming at 37%. Yeah. Score easy, easier in that mid-range game. He misses a lot of open shots, I feel like. In the mid-range, he gets a lot of open shots. He just misses them. So either that's something he's not practicing, he's not comfortable with. If you're not comfortable, take a shot and just drive to the rim and try to get the contact. One thing he's done a little bit more lately is make a good pass or two. And if he can kind of start to make a better pass and drive to the lane, that'll be a good combination. Also believe when D'Angelo's back, having another creator, another guy that's going to absorb the defense is going to open more wide open shots for him at the three-point line. But consistency, like you said, is going to be the number one issue for Alan Crabb. He he changes the nets. You know, when he's a good player and he can shoot close to 50% against teams like Boston, when he's terrible and shoots two of eight from three like he did last night against Boston, it's tough for the nets to win against a team that's so much more talented than them, even if they outplay them. Yeah, we need, we need him to be on his A game. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we've seen it far too not enough. Um, you know, he's had glimpses of moments where it's just like okay that's the guy you can be um but we want to give him the a um but you know as much as we've been handing them out willy-nilly all these guys have deserved it alan crab needs to earn it from from us at the buzz he's probably the one guy i can say so far who's been under my expectations i expected yeah. a lot more from him and he's i mean kind of made me look stupid because i thought he'd average more close to 15 be a solid contributor and kind of start to show development in this game a little bit more i also believe though getting injured in training camp really killed him hurt his confidence, hurt his chemistry with the team. The rhythm just wasn't there. So maybe a full year in Brooklyn, and like I said to you, off the pod, you know, a training camp with the Nets, you know, it's done a lot for guys like Joe Harris, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Dinwiddie Levert. So maybe that can be the addition that changes Crab into that all-around player instead of just being so flawed. Yeah, and I mean, he. I think if he gets to the free throw line, he gets some easy buckets as well, Nick. We mentioned that so many times when we talk about Alan Crabb, seeing the ball just go through the hoop. Yep. Um, he's a good free throw shooter. In fact, I think he's leading, if not, you know, one of our top two, top three guys when he gets to the line in terms of percentages, you know, but he's only getting to the line less than twice a game. Um, you know, if he can change it to three or four, there, there's two, uh, an extra two easy points. And, you know, if he can start to, even that they've been clamping down that four-point play. But, you know, if, if a guy like an Alan Crabb can certainly make the most of that, um, you know, try and, you know, use his his capabilities um, and try and diversify his skill set because, you know, we're not going to be, as much as we, we've said that, uh, at times that we're pushing for player spots here and there, you know, we want to see development from our players. And, and that includes him. Yeah, especially with his money locked up for probably two more years because his last year's a player option. And at this rate, he's definitely going to bite into that option. So I think yeah. the improvement for Crab is definitely something we want to see. I think some of it, too, is a little bit one thing that Crab is really good at that we haven't seen much of is getting out on that fast break and getting wide open layups. We saw him do that a little bit early in the season, but it seems like lately they've been asking him to rebound a little bit more. When they get a better rebounder inside, maybe somebody more like when Okafor is in the game, who's definitely had an impact on the boards in a short amount of time. It'll allow him to kind of breach out and maybe get some easy fast break points and kind of see the ball go through the hoop, like you said, Jack. And I think for players, when you struggle, you need to get to the line, you need to get to the rim and force the refs to make a call. You know, it's not like Crab is 0% athletic. He's 6'6", has a pretty good length. Like, you know, you need to get to the free throw line three or four times at least if you want to get those percentages up. Yeah, exactly. And and easy buckets uh, make 
make uh, the confidence just rise sky high. And and uh, and it's a good point about Jalil. And I think that you know it's just good to see uh, his his impact um, already being felt across the board. Yeah, so that's exciting. And obviously, like I said, D'Lo coming back too is going to have an impact. Crab just getting more chemistry. I wouldn't be surprised if Crab sees a bench roll in the second half of the season with D'Lo coming back. That would be the guy I'd probably slide to the bench, and I think he'd probably take Stauskas minutes off the bench. And who knows, he could kind of maybe find a little bit more you know, rhythm going against the second unit, getting some easy baskets, some easy fouls, some easy fast break points against, you know, instead of starter second unit guys. Yeah, exactly. But let's move on to a guy who has been all over the place. I mean, he, depending on the week, he could go from having probably an A grade to having an F grade, and that's Quincy AC. Yeah, Quincy AC. So I, I think that I would go somewhere in the middle, Nick, and, and I'd go with a B just because um, d- despite the fact that he's had his down games, he still is a positive effect. And, and I think he credited Coach Kenny for the fact that you know he still has the faith in him. And I think... He needs to show that faith in himself um, because when he does, he can be a really good player. So, you know, I'd probably give him a B minus, um, you know, similar to, to Alan Crabb because you know, the expectations with the Quincy AC aren't as high. You know, everything you sort of get is uh, on top with, with Quincy is almost gravy because, um, yeah. you know, he's not, he, he's not the guy that's going to be going out there and you want to get 15 points tonight and get some three-point buckets. He's the guy that goes out there draw some charges, get some offensive rebounds, makes a three here or there. So, you know, and a B minus for him isn't isn't too shabby. And um, I, I think that's what he deserves. And he certainly could be, by the end of the season, if he continues this uh, recent nice form, certainly be a B, B plus guy. Yeah, I think for me, C plus. But like you said, consistency has been an issue, but you can't really complain about his energy and effort. He's a little bit out of control, but he leads the Nets in charges drawn. He's also a top five, top 10 across the league in charge categories. So I think that's something that always impresses me. You know, guys willing to get up their body for the team, but shooting percentage is another issue for him, similar to Crab. You know, percent from the field, 34.1% from three. So he's almost shooting better from three than he is from mid-range. And the thing with AC is, honestly, I could probably say he's missed like five dunks this season. Like he goes in there and he tries to throw it down so hard and he just ends up missing a dunk. So I think AC will just kind of be another guy like Crab. He needs to just find something, a little niche outside of three-point shots because when his three-point shot's not falling on the outside, it definitely hurts the offense. So if he's able to kind of even just dribble a little bit more under control and get to the rim and not get charges called on him, I think that'll definitely help the team or just make the correct pass. You know, AC is a lot of dependence on his three-point shot, and the Nets system, having a three-point spacer like AC can make a huge impact. So his play definitely can have an impact on the Nets' wins and losses. It's kind of crazy to say, considering he's just, you know, a small rotation guy, but he's really the only four on the roster that can do that. Definitely. So Mr. AC is definitely going to be a guy to keep an eye on the rest of the year. Another big, Tyler Zeller. Tyler Zeller, Nick, uh, for me, it's going to be a B plus. Um, you know, coming into the season, I think that uh, uh, yep. he spoke to – uh, the Celtics wire last week when we we were in Boston, and Brad Stevens credited him for him being one of the best rim running bigs in today's NBA. He's certainly um, shown glimpses of that with with our Nets, and he's been uh, one thing that you can't not say about him is he's been consistent. Um, in the minutes that he's yep. out there, he's been nice in the pick and roll. He's been okay defensively. He hasn't been outstanding by any stretch. Um, he's probably been our best offensive big. Um, he has the best offensive arsenal. He's, you know, he's an NBA. He's almost an NBA vet by Brooklyn Nets standards, and he provides just stability 
Um, and, and alongside Spencer Dinwiddie, as we mentioned, um, he, he's nice in the pick and roll. So I think a B plus, a B, B plus is a fair grade for a guy like Tyler Zeller. Yeah, I think a B plus is definitely more, you know, definitely deserving. I would even maybe consider an A minus going to the season. I thought he'd just be that third big off the bench. I didn't expect him to start and play the way he has because he's had some nice moments working that relationship like you talked about in the past with Dinwiddie in the pick and roll. I mean, finishing some layups inside, just giving us a, a big that can defend a little bit. Obviously, he has his flaws. You know, he's not super, you know, gifted at finishing over other bigs. He's also gets, you know, beat up down low sometimes. But he's definitely not a bad fill-in. And you got to give him a real shout-out for shooting 42% from three. Yeah. Effective field goal percentage of almost 59%, which is by far our best. So the fact that he's he, – I think he takes the right shots as well. When they're there – He's not afraid to shoot him. And, and I think as Coach Kenny gives all our guys the green light. And, you know, and if, if Brooke Lopez can be, Tyler Zell is almost the, the light, light, light version of that. And, you know, if he's going to take them, then I, I'm not, I'm not going to hate on it because he's made them. His percentages are good. And he's very good on the inside as well. He's almost perfect, a perfect big sort of, a, a sort of solid guy to sort of be there in the coming years for when a Jared Allen starts to really develop. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't mind keeping Zeller around. I don't know if he's interested in this and just being that, you know, third big, especially when you have Okafor and, uh, Okafor and Allen ready to go in the future. Having a guy like Zeller that you could bring in, in a good situations kind of reminds me of almost like a Nick Collison type of player from OKC. So I think he could be a nice vet to keep around. And I don't even think he was interested in getting that many minutes when he signed. So he might be able to stick around Brooklyn and really be a nice guy to have on the bench for the future. But moving on to the big that you just mentioned, the young man, the 19-year-old, the fro, Jared Allen. Jared Allen deserves an A, Nick. His hair deserves an A triple plus. Um, his game, his offensive rebounding, his uh, his nights where he's out there swatting the, the heck out of guys, um, that's one thing that really impresses me the most. He, he, he's just grown in leaps and bounds. And in, in the space of, you know, just 30 games, he's shown – what he can be and, and the impact that he can have. We're looking at guys like Clint Capella, Stephen Adams. Jared Allen's certainly going to be knocking on the door of those guys very soon because he's got a very similar skill set and his body um, is going to start to fill out. And, you know, we talk all about his, his ridiculous wingspan, but he's starting to use it and he's starting to, to develop nice chemistry with our guys. Um, I think he's perfect um, for what we have in, in, in our system with Coach Kenny. And like I mentioned with, with LaVert earlier about the that pick and roll, uh, it, it's just delightful. Honestly, Jared Allen for me is going to get plus just because of I didn't expect this from this season. I think, like you said, his impact, like his ability on the floor to impact the game, even when he doesn't have the ball and doesn't touch it, that just talks so much about a player. Defensively, we saw him match up on Kyrie a little bit. He didn't get his ankle broken, so that's always a positive. He impacted a lot of shots at the rim yesterday too. And then just his ability on the pick and roll, we're starting to see it more that he's not catching the oop from Karis LeVert. He's opening up the floor for either LeVert to get a layup or getting one of his teammates an open shot just because they have to respect him on the alley-oop now. Yeah, and he's got our best defensive rating as well, Nick, at 105 per 100 possessions. So in the time that he's out there, um, he's certainly, like you mentioned, the key word, impact. He's making his impact felt. Um and I think guys are going to start uh, recognizing him. He's not. He may not have the ceiling of. Uh, he, he may not reach the heights of a Rudy Gobert uh, in terms of uh, you know defensive presence, but he's got all the capabilities that can show that he can be. And to have the best defensive rating 
in his rookie season um, with our team, I think that speaks volumes of him. Yeah, defensively, obviously, I think some Nets fans have called for him to get more clutch time minutes because of his defensive impact. Obviously, still some rookie mistakes with the charges, you know, illegal screen, stuff like that. But the fact that he's starting to get more comfortable with the ball in his hands, I think I pointed to you this, pointed this out to you on a previous pod. I think that's something that's really, you know, exciting for Nets fans. And I think the ceiling is Jordan Plus. Like, I think that he can be that type of player offensively and defensively and still have maybe a jump shot of some sorts. Doesn't have to be, I'm not saying he's going to be a knockdown guy, but enough that can space the floor a little bit for the team. Yeah. But talking about uh, centers, we just, this is our third center in a row, Timothy Mozgov. Uh, I, I think there's, it's just a, a D. I, I don't even know if it's a D because it's almost an incomplete for, for Timothy since our last pod where we did the grade, Nick, because he hasn't really seen the time. Um, so it's almost like you can't really grade him on what he's shown. Um, it's it sucks to say that we're gonna be seeing him um, for the next couple of years just purely because of that contract that we had to take to get on D-Lo. Um But the, I don't want to say too much bad things about him because he hasn't really been out there enough to say to trash him too much. But when he is out there, he's certainly not showing much. So uh, Timofey, is, it, it gets a pass, but um, it's almost a pity pass. Uh, you're a nice guy, Jack. You're a nice guy. Me, not so much. I'm giving him. An, I'm giving him an F. I think he just hasn't deserved to play. Yeah, he's not getting minutes because he had the opportunity at the beginning of the year and he was garbage. And even the minutes he does see, he'll do like one good thing and then do another bad thing. It's just like really able to play basketball in the NBA right now. He just does not have the athleticism to really compete with guys. And I don't think you could really find a fit for him on any team. Like you said, he's likely to sit on Brooklyn's bench for a while, then probably go to vets minimum. I think best case scenario is Mikhail Prokhorov buys a Russian team, gets Moscow to retire from the Nets and signs with him a contract over there. <laughs> because Savage. I, yeah, that would probably be the best case scenario. Cause I don't see any, you know, any impact that he's going to have on the Nets for the next few years at all. Do you, you see anything, Jack? Oh, look, it, it, look, I, I can't really see him being any sort of presence, Nick. Um, with the young guys that we have now, which are Lil Okafor um, and Jared Allen, and even Tyler Zeller, he's he's a fourth-string center. And there aren't many guys that are fourth-string centers that are going to have an impact in today's NBA. Maybe an Andrew Bogut, um, who's just a guy who can go out there and play some defense. But Timothy Mosgov doesn't have any sort of uh, positive skills that can have an impact on a team. Um, yeah. uh, you know, the best days uh, are just behind him. And, that, and that's just how it is, unfortunately. And it, a lot of that changed after he had the knee injury with uh, Cleveland. You know, some guys just can't bounce back from injury. And like you said, he just doesn't have any positive impact on the floor. He once was a great rebounder, once was a great rim roller. Those days have passed. So, um, but moving on. So Nick Stauskas, he's kind of got a small grade because he's only been on the Nets for 12 games. But what are your thoughts and early grade on Stauskas? Yeah, if we're doing like a, a quick little midterm, Nick, it, it's going to be, it's going to be. I a like that midterm. Uh, midterm. Quick I like little that. midterm. Quick little midterm. Learning, learning the American vernacular. Um, but yeah, he's been the, the nights where he's hot. He's just absolutely hot, and it, and it's fun to watch. Uh, you know, it, he's surprised me somewhat. Uh, whether he's on the Nets come the next season, you know, it remains to be seen. Um, but I, I just like what he brings in terms of that perimeter shooting. You know, you know, one a three point shot. You know, chuck him out there in a lineup with Joe Harris. Um, those two guys I like seeing on the floor together because. I don't know, just something about them. There's just two guys that I, I think play above their level, 
And I think Stauskas um, is showing more than what I thought he would. And that's why, you know, he gets a B to a B plus. Yeah, I hit him with a B as well for that midterm grade. Um, I think the three-point shot has definitely been impressive. I think shot selection is an issue for him, though. He He's, like, shown the ability to hit really hard shots, but if he just took better shots, some of that's being on the nets and not getting a ton of open looks and then Levert being injured lately and D'Angelo being out. So maybe when they're healthy and he gets more open looks, he could even be better. But I think I've been impressed probably by his, you know, ability off the dribble a little bit. But nothing crazy, and I still think it's an unknown for him if he's going to be back in Brooklyn. I think you can see that on on his uh, play a little bit on the court because he's trying to force shots sometimes and making sure he can have an impact when he's out there instead of being more comfortable and fitting into the system. Yeah. So uh, another – this is going to probably be another midterm grade. I'm stealing that from Jack. Isaiah Whitehead only played 10 games so far. Not really much to say. Probably incomplete for me. Yeah, an incomplete for me as well, Nick. Um, you know, he's had I think that Houston Rockets game was uh, a really great game for him, where we had a lot of our guards that were down, and he came out had a, a I think a twenty point or so affair, and he showed some nice things. Um, you know, guard you can't you can never really have enough guards in your rotation, but even a guy like a Milton Doyle, um, we're starting to see a bit more time from him just to see what he's got. So, uh, it's an incomplete just due to the fact that we haven't really seen him as much. What do you think that means more so? You mentioned Millen Doyle and Isaiah Whitehead not getting minutes and Doyle's the one getting minutes. Do you think that's the Nets just want to see Doyle or they maybe value him a little bit higher than Whitehead? Because I was surprised they didn't call him up when Levert was out the last two games. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and, and it's a fair point. You know, I think it's just wanting to see what we've got, Nick. Um, just to sort of, you know, you know you've got this guy on a contract. You want to see, we've almost know what Isaiah Whitehead can show. Um, he's played enough you know, last season and even early this season for the Nets. Um, whereas Milton Doyle is an unknown prospect in, in so many uh, ways that we just haven't seen him. So you're better off chucking out a guy like a Milton Doyle who's got, you know, similar sort of skills in terms of his ability to sort of uh, fit into that guard rotation, that sort of uh, really sort of nice, lanky sort of athletic dude. Whereas Isaiah Whitehead uh, has played for the Nets so long um, by his standards and in standards in comparison to um, to Doyle, that we don't really need to see him out there as often. So I'm, I'm happy with what the Nets are doing, but if we are to have injuries, it's always nice to have him there as a backup. Yeah, I think he's a guy that you don't really mind having around. Maybe at some point he turned into an NBA rotation player, just one of those, you know, energy guys, those stocky guys that come and play some defense, a little bit of offensive pop once in a while. But I guess another, this wouldn't even probably be a midterm grade. This is probably like a, four, a first quarter grade in Jalel Okafor. Yeah, Jalil He's Okafor only played three games. Like what, 40, yeah, 40 minutes? Yeah, it's 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 not really a lot to, to judge on, Nick. But in those 40 minutes, you know, you, you go by what you've seen. And, and what I've seen, I've liked. Um, he's, he's, he's adapting to what we need. And he's showing that he can't. Um, there was a certain element of, of rigidity, um, which uh, I think a lot of people thought about him. But now we can sort of see, you know, he's got some defensive capabilities. He's nice in the pick and roll. He's still got his own uh, strength in terms of his ability to back down. Um, but he's learning to, to pass out of that a little bit. And he adds another dimension. Um, a guy who's uh, a, a top pick and a 22-year-old, I want to see, uh, I wanna, I'm excited to see him and D'Lo play together. And I'm excited to just see his progression because even in the space of 40 minutes, he's shown some things. Yeah, honestly, Okafor, 
it, there's not obviously we haven't seen a ton of time, but like you said, offensively, he's shown some really good things. I really love his ability to handle the ball for a big in that high post. I don't know exactly who it was yesterday in Boston, but he hit him with a mean crossover, got to the rim, did a nice little spin move and got into like a fadeaway layup type of shot. I think he just gives us that nice offensive scoring off the bench. And it'll be nice to see, like you said, to see what he can do with the Nets, where they're able to help him develop his game. Because like we've mentioned on this pod and a ton of pods, player development is key for the Nets. Defensively is my biggest worry for him. And I constantly see it. It's just something that sticks out to me is his, he just drops so far back on pick and roll. And I think that's just something he's either going to have to get, you know, more athletic with or just find a way to handle the angles a little bit better and protect himself because he's a big dude. You know, you're seven feet, use that length. You're only 22 years old. I think uh, there's a lot of bright sides with Okafor. I think, you know, that whole 2015 draft class has a really good relationship with Okafor and D'Angelo Russell and even Rondé Hollis-Jefferson because Okafor mentioned, you know, he knew D'Lo, he knew Rondé. So maybe that helps us in the future in terms of recruiting some of the bigger names from that class and they become a free agent, somebody like a Devin Booker, you know, even I might even say a Carl Anthony Towns, just because these guys know each other, they like each other, and there's some commodity between them. Yeah, it's a, it's a certainly a buddy-buddy NBA. We know that. We know what's going on with LeBron and, and the teaming up of these uh, these super teams. So it certainly can't hurt, Nick, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. So Okafor is definitely going to be a guy that we'll be keeping an eye on all season. Um, quick shout out to the guys that we didn't talk about because they either didn't play games or they're injured or they got traded. So shout out to Trevor Booker. Sean Kilpatrick played great for the Nets when they were here. Not Kilpatrick as much, but Booker, great energy guy. Love what he did for the Nets and their culture. Can't complain about him at all. And then obviously Jeremy Lin, wish him a, a quick recovery and hope to see him next season. But D'Angelo Russell, we could possibly see seeing by the end of this month. Yeah, and that's something that's really exciting, Nick. I think it's uh, what Nets fans want to see and what NBA fans want to see in general because what he showed us in the limited amount of time uh, before the injury was really exciting. He was just starting to get into a nice groove. So hopefully, um, you know, we integrate him nicely into the system. Um, He starts to build and he he starts to continue showing those glimpses. Yeah, and I think one thing that Karras has always pointed about at D'Angelo, he's just a high basketball IQ guy and he sees a lot of things. So I'm really intrigued to see how he benefited from being on the bench and seeing his teammates play. And also, I think the the level that Dinwiddie and Levert's playing at is going to make D'Angelo raise his level a little bit because he's going to, I don't want to say earn minutes, but it's going to be harder to just give him, you know, 30 plus minutes if Levert and Dinwiddie are playing so great, especially when he's first getting back into rhythm. So I just think they've created such a good thing for D'Angelo to kind of make him excel. Yeah, and I think that's a real positive the the play of the of the other two guards it it adds to the the lineup uh, dimensions the versatility and it also allows Delo to sort of ease his way back nicely not not go overboard too early too soon and, and it, you know what it does too is it gives the Nets three good guards I think all of them are good guards I think Dinwiddie's good I think Levert's good and I think D'Angelo Russell's good above they're probably all above average starters at this point and you know they have the potential to be even better so having three guys like that I think Kenny will be able to stagger the minutes which would I would like to see obviously at least one of those guys on the floor but we're going to see two of those guys on the floor a lot more and the pressure isn't going to be there. The pressure isn't going to be there to make all the plays by yourself. You know, when Dinwiddie gets double teamed or Levert gets double teamed, they pass the ball to somebody like a, a Joe Harris, a Tyler Zeller, who's not making a ton of plays off the dribble. Occasionally they do, but passing it to somebody like, you know, Dinwiddie's out there, he passes to D'Lo. D'Lo, the guy's out of position slightly. He's going to make him pay and get to the rim. I think having the ability of having three playmaking guards with having, you know, great shooters around them is going to be awesome to watch the Nets. I'm super pumped to see the Nets when they're 100% healthy. 
going to be so fun. Yeah, so so far, I mean, 2017, the Nets, uh, we'll give our team grade too before we get out of here. What's your grade on the Nets so far this season and what we've seen in you know the early part of the 2017-2018 season? For me, it's a B-plus, Nick. Um, we've given out a lot of A's today, but uh, I don't want to get too high on the Nets because we've had times where uh, we have been disappointing and you know we can't just keep handing, uh, we can't be willy-nilly about the fact that you know we still have a ways to go to being a contender, to being a playoff contender, and to being a top contender. Because at the end of the day, that's where we want to be. We don't want to be getting sort of sympathy love from um, from NBA pundits. We want to be respected for what we've got. We're building that, but I still think it's, uh, for lack of a better term, it's a process. And we're showing progress in the process um, to you know use <laughs> alliteration. But uh, it's going to be, uh, it's still going to take time. By the end of the season, I think that can easily turn into an A. Yeah, I would say this. For the expectations I had for the Nets after D'Angelo and Jeremy went down, I would probably say this is an A. But for the expectations of what I've seen from this team right now and what I know they can play like, I would say it's probably like a B. Because there's times, like you said, they've been disappointing. You know, obviously that blowouts to New Orleans and Toronto. And like I mentioned to you, those losses to Atlanta and Sacramento at home. Even that uh, road loss to Orlando early in the season, I know I'm getting nitpicky, but these are games the Nets could have won. Obviously, you want to take one of those games against Boston. I think, uh, and then even that game against the Pacers, you probably should win that game too. So there's a lot of hiccups, but there's a lot of bright spots. So go with like a B plus, A minus combining both of my grades. Because like you said, there's plenty of things to be happy about where we can't give them off an easy thing because it's not like they're playing perfect basketball. The turnovers are still an issue. I know we play in that high-paced system and we take a lot of risky passes, but some of them have just been honestly stupid. Some of them are just dumb turnovers that we got to clean up. And I think just as soon as we start to clean up the dumb mistakes – our, you know, our, our record's going to get closer to 500 than under 500. So that's something that's really, you know, exciting to look forward to. And the Nets, like we've said, you know, handled a couple of these bad team games, even though they're a below average team, they'd be a lot closer in that playoff picture and it'd be a lot more likely. And especially with D'Angelo coming back, I think we could see a resurgence in the team because at points, I, I think you'd probably agree, they've looked tired, they look fatigued. So having another body, like a, a skilled player like D'Angelo that can do a lot on the floor should really help. Definitely. And the fact that we're in the top half, we're 15th right now in defensive rating, uh, is it, absolutely awesome. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with our, our past sort of 10 games or so. And to be a t- in the top half and, and just below that, an offensive rating, you know, generally you're top 10 in, in both of them. You're, you're easily a playoff team. And I think one day um, we should be aiming for those two, uh, where, you know, you look at what Houston are doing right now, you know, sort of. They're top, top in, they're top in both categories. Um, for a, a, a team that really lacks the talent that Houston does, um, we deserve plenty of credit, and, and so does Coach Kenny, and, and all the credit in the world. Yeah, I think um, we'll give our coach grade in a second, but I agree. I think the most amazing thing probably this season is the fact that Kenny has them playing with a 15th defensive rating. Considering the roster, considering the defensive pieces they have, the lack of rim protector, obviously we have Jared Allen, but Tyler Zeller is not you know, going to protect the rim and get two to three blocks a game or anything like that. Rondé and Lavert are pretty good on-ball defenders. It's a lot of team effort, so 15th is really impressive. I think probably the most disappointing thing for me has been the three-point shooting percentage. You know, yeah. I expected us to see a bigger jump this year. We're 28th, which is pretty damn bad when we have players like Joe Harris, Alan Krabs, Spencer Dinwiddie, who are all good three-point shooters. I think some of that is forcing bad threes and us just relying on the three so much and teams knowing that. 
Yeah, and and I think yeah, the the scouting report is out there, and they're executing it better. Um, and we're just not um we're not altering enough and not thinking well enough on the fly. I, I think that we play well to our capabilities. Um, and in many ways we've exceeded those capabilities, as I mentioned before. But there's just some areas that we need to continue to improve. Turnovers and three point shooting are the two main ones. Yeah, honestly, think about it this way. The Nets have lost their fair share of close games this season. If that if that three-point percentage probably goes up maybe 10 spots, where it probably should be at least, we should at least be probably in the middle range with the three-point shooters we have and the system that we run. The Nets probably would have three to five more wins right now. Yeah. What would be your grade for Coach Kenny on the season? Uh, for me, it's an A, Nick. Um, yeah. You know, he's a development coach, and – you know, he's shown player development and he's gotten wins for us. And I think that's something that is really, really positive. And he's done both of them. Uh, yeah, I agree. Absolute, and I think, you know, if anything less than an A, like I mentioned with some of our players, it, it would be disrespectful towards him because he's gotten more out of these players that we would never would have expected. Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, um, even Tyler Zeller. And he's, you know, the glimpses that we got out of D'Angelo Russell – uh, he really cares for his players, and that's that says something. He wants them to do well. He's invested. Uh, he's invested in this team doing well. We look at, you know, you, you compare it to, say, a Brett Brown um, out in Philly. They've got very similar attributes. Both of them are sort of teachers of the game, and they're they're very player-heavy, and it's it's something that we really need, and the, the relationship that he's got with Sean Marks, we've um, raved about. Um, but we can't rave enough about Coach Kenny as well. He's doing great things, and he's been uh, a, a huge reason why we've exceeded our expectations so far. I'm going to give him an A+, plus because yeah. I don't think he gets, he gets the love that he deserves. I think a lot of people hate on rotations or saying you make stupid things or whatever. Like, yeah, at times maybe LaVert should see more minutes in the fourth or Joe Harris or somebody like that. But at the end of the day, I think when you look at the roster that he has, and he got this team to 15 wins, Going into the season, if someone told me the Nets would have 15 wins without having D'Angelo Russell and without having Jeremy Lin, I would probably laugh about it. They're not the worst team in the league. You know, they're more so hovering around that mediocre mark than they are at being the worst team in the league. And yeah. I think that and that all has to do with Coach Kenny. He got these guys, all these guys and all these new pieces of buying to his system, buying to his defense, and they're improving and getting better, and he's unlocking players. And I think that's going to be something that helps the Nets moving forward when they try to attract free agents. It's like, you know – you're really good right now, but we think we can make you this much better. You know, you're an all-star, but we want to make you a superstar. And I think Kenny can really do that with his staff. Like, I really believe that he can unlock – like, look at Joe Harris. Like, who would have thought going to the season Joe Harris would be the player that he is right now and he's going to attract trade offers or Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, both of those guys are guys that were borderline NBA players that could have easily ended up in your stats and they become – you know, Joe Harris, that great rotation player, and Spencer Dilley with the potential to be a starting point guard in the NBA going forward. Yeah, it's wild to think. And a lot of the credit, as you mentioned, Nick, goes straight to Coach Kenny. Um, the players, uh, and they're buying into his system, and they're buying into to what he's selling. And the, despite the execution might be lacking at times, um, they're playing for him. They want to do well for him. They're instilling belief in them, and it's just a real nice... Uh, a two-way working relationship that's being built between the two parties. Yeah, and effort usually isn't something we really complain about on a regular basis. You know, sometimes they get off to a slow start, but by the end of the game, they've left a lot of juice out there. And also, when I say Coach Kenny, uh, I also mean his staff as well, because I think the staff doesn't catch enough love. 
And I think the staff also has a great impact individually with each player because from what I've seen is certain coaches are kind of locked in with certain players and that's really helped their game. Yeah. So I'm, I'm super excited for 20, uh, 2018 with the Nets and getting D'Angelo back. That wraps it up for the season preview. Jack, you've been great. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, you can listen to Brooklyn Buzz on otgbasketball.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. Make sure you subscribe. You can give Jack and I a follow, OTG Nick and uh, the JBT man. So look for us on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Talk shit. Give us your thoughts. Big, big year ahead, Nets fan. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.